Hey, dude, this dog like stinks, man. Okay, groomer, do something about it, man. you pet stylists, you found the Groom Pod. Welcome to our virtual salon. My name is Susie and I'm your host. I'm a mobile groomer from Seattle, Washington, and anyone who knows me will tell you I love to talk, especially about my job. One of my favorite people to talk to is my friend and mentor and co-star of the show, Miss Barbara Bird. Hey, Susie, here I am, still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, gee, (laughs) that's an important fact. I would give that a ding here. Oh, yeah, you know, I have to celebrate that every day because, whoa, there was a moment where there was just a bit of a question about that. (laughs) Welcome to episode 379 of the Groom Pod, recorded on July 9th, 2023 in Snohomish, Washington and Tucson, Arizona. This podcast is brought to you by our kind sponsors, Best Shot, Show Season, Evolution Shears, Groomore, and Stasco. And if you'd like to support us, you can go to our website, thegroompod.com, and click on the donation button for a one-time donation or join us on Patreon. This week, we're talking about when to fire an employee and has natural been stretched too far? What's new is brought to you by Groomore Software. If you haven't found Groomore, you're missing out. Groomore is an all-in-one software solution for your grooming business. Whether you are a solo mobile groomer or manage several shops, Groomore has everything you need. 24-hour online booking and forms, routing, credit card processing, reminders, Google Calendar and QuickBooks integration, and so much more. And the best customer service anywhere. Shop mobile or house call, Groomore has you covered. And they're giving us a free month. Just enter GroomPod22 in the coupon code. And don't forget to check out all of their new updates. They've got all kinds of new things that they're putting in the app all the time. And it's really cool. So, Barbara, how was your week at work? This past week started out terrible because on top of being decimated by my week in the hospital and my damaged heart, I had this horrible cold I woke up with beginning Sunday. And Monday, I was just like plowed under by this darn cold. But I knocked that cold out with Zycam. Everybody needs to know that Zycam really works to shorten a cold. I'm telling you, by Wednesday, I was able to go to work my first real day at work. I didn't have to do too much. It's a couple of dogs and Dave was there to do some, but um, it felt good being back in the saddle again. (laughs) (laughs) I stumbled through, got a big fatigue factor happening, but now it's like open and out on the table. So I don't have to be afraid of being a wimp. Because I am a wimp, <laughs> you know, and you know I have a doctor's excuse for being a wimp. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do. A friend of mine here in Tucson that I haven't talked to in years messaged me today saying, "Oh, I heard you had a little adventure in the hospital," and I said, "You know, before I went to the hospital, I wasn't afraid of having a heart problem. I just didn't want to be a wimp." Now that I am a wimp, now I'm afraid of what's going to happen to my heart. I didn't think about it for months with my watch going off and telling me my heart had gone over 140 beats per minute 25 times while I was asleep. But now that I got the official diagnosis of heart damage due to my neglect, now I'm scared Now I'm afraid to go. And now that I've fallen two times out in front of my house, I'm afraid to go get my mail. We don't want you to fall. It's funny that I'm scared now. Now that I've got medication, a team of cardiologists, appointments up the ass, now I'm afraid. That'll do it, though. That'll do it. When they start poking you and talking about things and their eyebrows go up and they make the noises, ooh, hmm. They hmm. said, how could you have been walking around? They said, you know, you should be falling down. (laughs) (laughs) 
They don't know you very well. Yeah, well, I still have two broken fingernails where I fell down the last time to remind me that <laughs> I can and will fall down. I know how important your fingernails are. They're like part of your beauty identity. So I'm so sorry you broke I those. They are. Yeah. And thank you for noticing. Yes. Uh, I have conversation about nail care with my customers. Yesterday, I had this customer at the, at the counter and I had given her a dog back and she was getting her cards. And, and I pointed out to her how much I liked that she had turquoise nails that exactly matched the turquoise that she had in a bracelet. I said, oh, look at that. And she said, well, I love your nails. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. Totally. <laughs> I do love it. I I notice other people's nails all the time. Anyway, I digress. So let's talk about the Tibetan Mastiff in the room. Okay. And that is NDGAA reorganization with AKC. And what's going on there? And what, do you have an opinion on that? I only have what I've heard through the grapevine. I heard it through the grapevine. Not much longer would you be mine. Well, listen, I heard that we knew already that several months ago, the people that have done National Dog Groomers Association of America, NDGAA, they retired and they allowed AKC, American Kennel Club, to absorb the company, the certifying body called the NDGAA. So that was a change of ownership. We probably knew to expect something. But then about three weeks ago, we noticed that there was this mass exodus of well-known groomers who were testers for the NDGAA resigning publicly. Armada. It was like a landslide. Yeah, it was just like rats leaving the ship if I can make a rat analogy. <laughs> and I heard through the grapevine that what had happened was that the new org had sent out a letter to all the certifiers redefining the job and the pay and the rules in such a way that it was unbearable for any of them to agree to. Lots of people I respected left. These were big names. Yep. Jody Murphy, Judy Hudson, you know, like all these big, these people that you come to respect, they are now, this. the new org is now struggling to revamp the whole system. To, they're hiring new, you know, certifiers, and it's going to take them a while to get the whole thing back in, in stride. And meanwhile, you can take a written test but there's no practical testing going on. And I just want to mention that that it's fairly expensive to go through this process, and it takes a long time. So there are plenty of groomers who are partially through the process of certifying, then the organization gets sold, then they don't have certifiers. So now they're just kind of hanging in the wind. And didn't tell people, didn't put out any kind of a public acknowledgement of what was going on. Of course, you're not going to say, hey, our entire certifying staff has quit. <laughs> uh, we wrote a terrible contract. There's way with words, you know, although AKC has never been known to have a great way with words. But what happened is that there are a couple of Tucson groomers that have been working on their certification that were going to SuperZoo to compete in grooming who wanted to tie that grooming, that competition grooming into a certification test and get the, the practical out of the way. And they couldn't get any information from AKC NDGAA. That's just very unfortunate. And I think it just shows to go you. That it shows to go, you <laughs> shows to go, yeah. Uh, it just illustrates that would be shows to go, yeah. Yes, it just illustrates 
an underlying problem with the certification. It's a, a little bit extinct. It's definitely in flux. When you look at grooming in some other countries, like let's say Asian co- countries, they obtain big name status, not from breed profile grooming for the show ring, but in their grooming outside of the box. Individual creative styling, not necessarily with color, but just, you know, like scissoring skills and prep skills and balance and that and that and that and that. A lot of which, of course, is involved in breed profile. I'm glad that I certified with breed profiles, but there are lots and lots of groomers that never get to do a breed profile groom. I don't do a lot of breed profile grooming anymore. Interestingly enough, when I first started out going to trade shows and looking at grooming competitions, the grooming competition, it it wasn't nearly at the level it is now. Now anybody that wins, you know, best terrier could take that terrier into a show ring. And before you would get schnauzer clips that weren't really all that worthy taking first place and or at least third place. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Our level of competition grooming has got so that there's a, a lot of people who can do both competition grooming and show ring grooming of their same dogs back and forth and stuff like that. Never used to have very much of that at all. It was a rare Um, And now it's much more common. But I think that the whole business of certification needs to be thought out again. And, uh, you know, more emphasis on safety, more emphasis on handling skills. Why don't we bring a, a difficult dog to the show table and watch how we handle it? Yeah, that's an idea. Enough of them out there. They deserve a little trip to Chicago. Come on. (laughs) I did want to mention that being a groomer that specializes in dogs that have a difficult time with the grooming process, it's really fun because I had three of them this week. And while I was grooming them, I was thinking, gee, these dogs used to be difficult dogs. And now they're not anymore. And it just makes me feel so good about what I do and about taking the time with some of these dogs. And I get difficult dogs in the beginning, but rarely do they pass away still being dogs with a difficult time with the process. So yeah, I that would be an interesting type of certification. I mean, well, I have it. Actually, I already have it. Not even, I mean, there's an extra thing that you went through, extra training, rigorous training that you went through to achieve your credentials as a groomer handler of difficult dogs. Master groomer behavior specialist. Right. Master groomer behavior specialist. But I think that some of those skills should be tested for everyday master groomer skills that you shouldn't be able to. I mean, I, I know people that have achieved master groomer that are not very compassionate on the grooming table. Yeah, I agree. It's the my I'm... way or the highway on their table. And in fact, the person that I learned to groom from, he pretty much uh, ruled through physical. He was just intimidating. You know, he was six foot two. He was intimidating. And he used to tell me that if I would never smack a dog, they would know that I would never smack him. You had to be willing to smack them so that they, he told me that. Crazy. My mentor. So from the perspective of the owners, I think that for them, certification would definitely mean cleanliness and process and the handling skills far more than the breed profile grooming. And selecting products needs to become a thing. I just read this a post on the shampoos group. He says, how do I get my new bathers to bathe um, more 
mindfully. Well, she said, these new bathers, they just go for their favorite smell. Hi, Susie. (laughs) (laughs) They pick shampoos according to which one they like the fragrance of the most. You know, how do I teach them mixing dilution? And then she's suggesting that we create a brochure that covers dilution instructions, which shouldn't be a great deal of a thing, and types of coat and different shampoos. That's a whole skill set. And Barbara, I loved your answer to her. Thank you. Where I pointed out that it was accumulated. We usually accumulate that kind of information over a period of time of using products. And I liked the idea that I had that if I had a larger salon with junior bathers in the back and maybe different assortment of groomers, that I would have a senior groomer who knew coat types and products do the intake of a dog and quickly assess what that dog needed and then assign the products to be used. And pretty soon, a few months of that, the bathers in the back would begin to recognize because that's what happened with Yvonne. You know, Yvonne's been with me for 11 years. Finally, she's suggesting, should I use a clarifying shampoo? Should I use the apple cider vinegar shampoo on this dog? Because she's starting to notice when I would tell her to do that. It catches on. It accumulates. It's a perfect way to teach. It's a perfect solution. It's perfect. Thank you. But the other thing you do is to use a system like, say, the Stasco shampoos that are basic and kind of all breed options instead of having a lot of complicated Ives San Bernard or something in the back that people have to go through a whole class to understand how to use. If you're going to have newbies in the back room bathing, you should have fail-safe go-to shampoos. That's just another way to look at it. Simplify your shampoo uh, choices. You're right, because you never give your clients the option of picking any day of the week at any time for their appointments. You give them two options, right? You narrow it down so that you can't make a mistake. I think that's yet another brilliant solution to this. Yeah. I want to stress right now the importance of inspecting your equipment as a mobile groomer because I have to keep a very close eye on my trailer and my axles and my bearings and my hitch and all of that really new weld that the guy, my welder put together. And lo and behold, I found a spot that was coming apart. So I had to cancel a whole day's uh, one, two, three, four dogs. I had to reschedule for this next week. And my welder fixed it for nothing because he's convinced that it's his responsibility to keep me on the road now. So you guys find a great welder (laughs) and have him rebuild your trailer. It's really cool because I just sent him a picture and he goes, oh, come in tomorrow and I'll fix it. It was on 4th of July. He said, come in tomorrow in the morning and I'll fix it. And three hours later, it was back. He considers it a challenge that I keep tearing it apart. He beefed it up again with all kinds of extra straps and banding again. So we'll see what happens. But inspect your stuff. Keep an eye on that stuff. Don't just... Yeah, so did you see the story about the big crack that was found in the uh, roller coaster? Yes, I saw that big crack at Carowinds. That's where I wanted to go when we were in South Carolina. (laughs) Hey, they caught it. Yeah, they did find it. The worst one for me is the Larson Looper and the people got stuck that got stuck upside down. Did you got see that? Stuck upside down. Yeah, I saw that too. I thought of you both of those things. I was going to send them to you, but I figured I didn't need to rub it in. Right. I I got it like eight hundred times, so it's good. But the Larson <laughs> Looper thing—that's a fair ride. That particular one, and anything that is wheels and comes in on a truck, I'm not riding anyway. But the anomaly with that is, and I'm sure nobody really cares, but I'm going to tell you anyway because it's fascinating, is when that ride particularly fails, it's just a circle and the car just goes around the circle and it can go either direction. When it fails, what usually happens is it just does what they call a rollback and ends up down at the bottom. Somehow this jammed up on top. 
And the way the safety restraints work, they have to undo four seats at a time. So they couldn't just unhook one person and drop them out. They unhooked four people and dropped them out. So it was really challenging. They had to tie the people into the cars so that when they released the restraints, the other three people didn't drop into the, well, where there wasn't a fire truck. So anyway, I love this stuff. Engineering, it's amazing. It's amazing nobody got hurt. It's amazing nobody hanging upside down for three hours and 45 minutes didn't have an aneurysm. I would have puked my guts out. Three hours. And I mean, what if you had to pee? <laughs> Jeez. Well, I have to wear paper panties anyway, so, you know. Yeah, you'd have been okay. <laughs> I would have been okay. <laughs> <laughs> it could have easily been. Oh, panties. For many of those people. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, I couldn't dig into that story too deep because it was just like too close to home. I just, oh no, Susie. <laughs> Everybody was fine. It was all good. Not the case of the one in Sweden. Obviously, I'm uh, nerding out here though, so I'll let that go. Let's take a break. <laughs> Let's do it. We'll take a break and we'll come Let's back with our. Take a break and over again. <laughs> <Less>. <laughs> Let me tell you about Best Shot's newest addition to the Ultramax Pro line. Ultramax Hair Hold is a flexible hairspray that can be layered on for a stronger hold. Ultramax Hair Hold Spray is great, but my favorite new product is called the Max, and I won't groom without it. It's a fragrance-free ultra-concentrate conditioner and detangler. It reduces drying time and handles undercoat and tangles like magic. Just a few drops in the final rinse or spray it on and dry it in. Contact your favorite Best Shot distributor or learn more online at bestshotpet.com. Grooming success begins with Best Shot in your tub. Made from the best stuff on earth. Ready, groomers? Here comes our first appointment. I've always ended up in management jobs. It's somewhere that I gravitate to because people listen to me. I don't know why. It's a crazy thing, but it's been since I was a little kid. Because you're so present. <laughs> yeah, okay, maybe. I learned early and often that I would way rather manage stuff than people. I can manage people, but people always disappoint me. It never fails. They always disappoint me. And when they disappoint you at work, you have to fire them. Let's talk a little bit about when you choose to fire someone. I've fired a few. I mean, 50 years, 45 years of owning my shop. I've fired a few, and some more graciously than others. The kind of firing I dislike the most is when there's a blow up. Absolutely. I'm sorry, but I have to take responsibility for allowing the volcano to erupt and for holding stuff in so long that it forms a, a volcanic pressure inside your head that then they the employee does one final you know thing that just like tips the scales and there comes this green ugliness of angry boss out of here thing <laughs> that happens, you know that's the way not to fire someone really the best management policy is to prevent having to fire someone by keeping lines of communication open and allowing there to be some kind of a pressure release before it ends up being 64 count felony. <laughs> right? Speaking of felonies, there's some reasons that make it kind of easy to fire somebody. And for me, Drug use on the job or drinking on the job while you're actually working. I don't, not a big fan of that. Anytime you feel threatened with violence as the boss or as the other employees in there, if there's violence involved, or when there's obvious theft, when you catch somebody absolutely verifiable stealing, I think that makes it easy to fire somebody. And I've had all of those. Oh, yeah. I've had all of them. Yeah. 
I guess you've yeah, done 50 years. I imagine you have. I've had all of those. I had this woman in there who was a lesbian. That's neither here nor there. She was huge. She was tall. She was big. She was muscular. She uh, didn't want to take any instructions. And she actually threatened me over the way that I was picky picky about straightening dog's hair out under the dryer because she didn't understand the process. She actually raised her fist at me and I actually said, you can leave now. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Don't let the door hit you in the butt. (laughs) Bye-bye. And then I had the one where I was allowing him to pay bills. In my checkbook, he was entering like the telephone bill, but actually he was writing the check to himself. I had that embezzlement. And that was connected also with some drug use. And then I had I, then I had the bather that I, that lasted like three days. She loved the job so much that she went out at lunchtime and came back in holding one of these big ice drinks from the 7-Eleven. In that ice drink, there was probably a whole pint of vodka. <laughs> and by the end of the day, she was sort of like watching me but falling into me. Oh, my gosh. And I had to fire her on the spot. Definitely. And she didn't ride. Uh, I mean, you know, and it was raining out. And I just said, the time has come. But don't drive. <laughs> on that one, I did have a next day meeting with her and her live-in boyfriend. And I explained that I just absolutely had to let her go. And she's still working around town and hopefully has kind of got it under control. Yeah, drugs on the job for sure. And the other thing, if you suspect a drug problem, then you're going to have a lot of little late for work, missing a day, attendance problems, just uh, not doing so well at the table, shutting down socially. You have to be kind of alert to changes that can happen to somebody that's struggling with that or perhaps not struggling. (laughs) Embracing. (laughs) (laughs) So another big no-go for me is mishandling of pets and being rough. Oh, yeah, we had that too. You had that? We had a local school of dog grooming for a while. It was like associated with one of these federal vocation programs. It was in like a little shopping center of different types of training schools and stuff. And uh, this person graduated from there and came to work for me. And I was doing seminar leadership training in Phoenix and doing a lot of traveling up and down the highway. So I was up in Phoenix attending a, a training exercise. And I get this call from my shop that the woman was smacking the dog around. Oh, dear. That is bad. And and my my staff was freaking out. Thank God they called me and spilled the beans on her because she was just being mean. That's awful. Yeah. I don't know how somebody like that can exist in the industry. They should be branded on the forehead. This is one of the other reasons I don't have anyone working with me or for me is because they don't do things the way I do things. And when you have a client base that expects things to be done a certain way like yours does, and then something like this, some anomaly comes in like this, where the person's hitting the dog or something else. Yeah, I just can't deal with that. I'm too much of a control freak over the whole thing. I just need to control every bit of the groom. I have learned to set limits on my expectations. I have come to realize that I have to let go of that control stuff. Yeah, you're in a different situation for sure. I can control a basic framework, but I can't necessarily control that they put every dog in a rear end restraint. Okay, you want to struggle with the dog? Go ahead. You know, but if I hear you back there struggling and you hear the whining starting to happen, you know, like, 
Oh, come on, be a pal. No, no, no. <laughs> or stop it. Stop it. That's another one. If I do try to tell people, don't say no, because that's a word that means nothing to most dogs. They hear it so often. You know, you got to say, stop it. And you got to say it in a growly sort of a way. But anyway, letting go. I can't tell you how many times I have boiled inside my head, wanting to just scream, you're fired. Get the fuck out of my face. And I just let it go. Let it go. Come on, let it go. Think about this again. I just realized that nobody is perfect. Well, I'm going to ask you a question, though. How long do you tolerate? And I'm not I'm not aiming this at you. So <laughs> it's going to sound like I am, though. How long do you tolerate someone who can't take instructions over years and years? I mean, for you, you're in a situation where you absolutely have to have help and you can't let somebody go because they're untrainable, but you're dealing with that. You have to weigh the pros and the cons. For one thing, do they keep their hands out of the cash register? That's a big plus. That's a big plus. Do they show up for work almost always? Yeah, another big plus. Big plus. Everybody's wired differently. Some people learn in different ways than others. And some people are limited in certain ways that you can't always ascertain in the beginning of a relationship. So you've got to pick your battles. That's so important. That one thing that you're noticing that's being repeated by your groomers, like, let's say... Let's just say drying technique. <laughs> say drying technique. You can, you can choose to intervene or you can choose to let it go. How important is it? Have you tried 50,000 times to teach them how to groom in a certain manner and they're not doing it that way? You know, like, yeah, you can complain about the end result. This dog's too curly in the hawks. I need you to be straightening this backside of their back. You know, the, uh, they won't know what hawks are. <laughs> the back of the back foot. That has to be straightened as well as the front of the back foot. So let's get on it. Let, let's see if you can make this your best drying ever. Challenge them in a different way. But you have to take some of the responsibility yourself. And, you know, it hurts my feelings when my direct and, and kind way of interacting with my employees is not effective, that it hurts my feelings when I can't teach them something. But you can't teach everybody everything. <laughs> They're not, you know, they shut it out. Or they don't have the capability of even digesting it. It breaks my heart that people don't want to learn the truth about slicker brushes. You know? Yep. But I have to accept that I just got to keep talking about it and somebody, it will sink in for some and it, and then it won't for others, you know, and I can't expect everybody to understand the chemistry of products, but I just continue talking about it and maybe some will sink in and maybe some will sink in next time I talk about it. I got another one for you that I bet you've dealt with. How about somebody who just doesn't fit into the culture of your shop, just likes to live in drama or complain about everything or really poison the environment for everybody else who's in the room? Toxic. Yeah, toxic. That would upset me. They could even be a great groomer, but they're abrasive in some way to the group. I do believe in giving people the benefit of the doubt. Me too. And trying to intervene before I totally cut them off. There again, you got to be aware of how your own personality sometimes, I mean, I know that I'm a fucking know-it-all. <laughs> That's because I know it all. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> no, I know. I, I, excuse me. I know I'm a know-it-all. And I know that that comes off like that sometimes. And you can make mistakes. Did I tell you about having a Karen moment in the hospital? You did, yeah. Yeah, I was a Karen. Uh, mildly, mild. Well, who am I to judge? Someone's working a tire. <laughs> and my complimenting this woman on her work attire went like a fart in church. <laughs> and, and it was just because I was bored out of my mind. And all I was doing is watching staff walk back and forth and up and down in the little intersection of the ER. I, I was that, you know, with a glass door. And I'm watching everybody because the TV was so boring. And then I went to compliment her and on how her headscarf matched her pants and this kind of shit. Well, who the fuck am I to vote on your appearance at work, especially if you're of a different color? It's a mild indiscretion. It was just stupid of me. Oh, well. I was very sick, okay? Yes. (laughs) I was in a weakened state. (laughs) So there's one more type of firing that is probably the most difficult type of firing you could possibly have. And that's when you decide to change your business model. And you've had employees for a while, and now you're going to go to one-at-a-time dogs, or all of a sudden it doesn't make financial sense to keep your employees or something like that. And then you're having to let go of people who do fit in your culture and who are nice people and who you've worked with for a long time. That's got to be the worst firing of all. Because it's not really a firing. It's a letting go. It is a letting go. And that's how I got Dave. Dave first came to me because his employer um, took over a shop and their and business slacked off because a lot of old customers just went and tried new ones. And he was working as a bather and wanted to learn to groom. And so what she did was she contacted me to see if I would hire Dave and take it from there. And I and it worked out timely. I needed a, a bather. She went out of her way to try to find the trusted employee another position in the community. And that can only work when groomers are networking together. Yes. And they know each other and know who's got openings and, or you have a good distributor like Michael from Cascade Grooming Supplies, who has his finger on the pulse of the grooming community and knows where the openings are. Yeah. That's the only way to do it. My dad worked for Boeing for 38 years and there was always these cycles of layoffs and he was a great boss and I worked for the people who worked for my dad. So I know that, that he was very respected and he would get the notice of who he had to let go six months before he had to let them go. So he would work Mm. side by side with these people who had families and careers at Boeing, knowing he was letting them go in five or six months. That's horrible. That's why I just am responsible for myself. I like simplicity. It works for me. And I'm not as old as you are yet, so I can still make it work. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break. We Oh, I was going to talk real quickly about leaving your job. If you're unhappy, quit your job. That's what you need to know. All right. Let's take a break. <laughs> I have a few more things to say, but that's okay. We can let it go. Oh, about, about quitting your job? Let's revisit it next week. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. Hey, Chris Bear Anthony here. You may know I've been swiveling for years now with my beloved Evolution shears, but I wasn't actually born with a pair of swivel shears in my hands. Check out our website and Facebook page for our library of how-to videos, or give me a shout for a personalized guide. Your hands will thank you. Don't forget, GroomPod listeners get $10 off and free shipping with the code GroomPod. What are you waiting for? Give them a try today. Sometimes my clients don't like a walking air freshener. When these crazy people request a scent-free option, I go right to Show Season. Show Season True Tearless Shampoo and Hypo Conditioner fit the bill. They are totally fragrance-free and yet hold up on their own as good products. 
Proved Fearless has been expertly formulated to be gentle to the eyes, skin, and hair while maintaining good cleaning power. Hypo Conditioner is a great option as well, and it's one of our favorite conditioners with or without fragrance. So let's get fragrance-free. Use True Tearless and Hypo Conditioner from Show Season today. Go to showseasongrooming.com. Groomers, take your seats. It's time for Bee Bird's Classroom. Has the term natural been stretched to like rubber band proportions? Oh, absolutely. It's incredible. And, you know, it comes from all of the grooming products made know this, know that, know everything. The Tucson Groomers Group was talking about, they've, they've all gone uh, into the cult of dogliness and dogliness is one that they say they have no silicones no phthalates no parabens no pegs no ppps and many more they say in many more well how many more not here's do you need to have so then you look at what they have okay so that's my natural in- instinct is okay, you don't have any of this good stuff that I like. What do you got? And so I ran into this ingredient that that I, you know, like, so usually, or let's say often, when a company is doing this all natural, no nasties, that's what they say. All natural products, no nasties. You want to look at what they are using. So one of their key ingredients that shows up in all of their shampoos is this caproloyl caproyl methyl glucamide. What the uh, is that? So I looked it up. It's a mild sugar surfactant, quote unquote. Sugar surfactant always sounds sweet and natural, doesn't it? It does. It's a co-surfactant, uses a you know, it's a part of a cleaning machine. It's a foam booster. And it's obtained, and it has none of those things above, none of the above in it, right? It's obtained by the reaction of methylglucamine with a mixture of caproyl and caproyl chloride. Oh, so natural. <laughs> methylglucamine, which is the intermediary, Methylglucamine is derived by chemical manipulation of sorbitol, which has origins in coconut and palm oils. To obtain the methylglucamine from sorbitol, the hydroxyl group in position one is replaced by a methylamino group. Now, does that sound natural? It doesn't sound natural at all. You know, like, so, so... How can you say no synthetics and you're using these ingredients that have distant second cousins with some palm oil and it's going through all of this synthesis, chemical reactions to produce this, you know, rather new, untested, un you know, unknown, it's so it's so new and so unknown that it can't have a history of good use, bad use, you know, like reactions. Yeah, reactions. It's just new and that and there's another one, <clears throat> Laurel Miristyle Methylglucamide. And it's obtained by the reaction of methylglucamine with a mixture of Laroil and Miristoil chloride to use as a conditioning surfactant. Now I found out, you know, like it's just like those ingredients, it's such a stretch to call them natural when they, first of all, they've taken the palm oil, turned it into sorbitol, taking the sorbitol, turned it into methylglucamine, 
taken the methylglucamine and combined it with caproil and caproil chloride. That is a chemical choo-choo train. You know, it's... <laughs> Uh, and and this is what has happened because of the natural uh, movement in cosmetics and hair care is that they've gone to the extremes of calling it. It used to be that a natural ingredient was found in nature. Yeah, that's gone out the window. It used to be. It used to be a very limited list. But then, because all surfactants are synthesized to a certain extent, they had to allow a certain amount of synthetization in order to, uh, they had to redefine natural to allow for some synthesis to happen. So you end up having these synthetic ingredients that have distant relatives in nature. And there's nothing wrong with synthetic ingredients. And there's nothing wrong with synthetic ingredients. You know, the the thing of it is, the PEGs, they had their, you know, polyethylene glycol. Ethylene oxide is a petroleum product that just has a bad rap as an intermediary because it can sometimes lead to toxic byproducts. But guess what? Methyl, uh, methylglucamine can nitrate very easily. Nitrate is when it gives off nitrous oxide, which, it, which can combine with other byproducts to form nitrates that are carcinogenic. Ah, so why don't we hear about that? I mean, I just stumbled on, I just stumbled on that down the rabbit hole. If I hadn't have been digging around, I wouldn't have known that that uh, this intermediary can nitrate very easily and give off potentially toxic byproduct. But it it just hasn't been targeted yet because it's too new and the point of this is that if they're misleading us or pulling the wool over our eyes so to speak about their ingredient list how can we really trust the company why don't they just stop the with the no advertising and do some yes advertising what does your product do what is it meant to be how did you formulate it for it to work that way? What are the ingredients that are active that are helping the product? That's what we want to know. All of this negative marketing does nothing except sell shampoo. That's the puzzle. It does sell See, shampoo. That's it. it sells shampoo. And that's because people are chemophobic, afraid of chemicals. And it's just a matter of picking your free-froms. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right? Yep, absolutely. So you don't have any PEGs in there, but you've got laurel myristoyl methylglucamide in there and more costly. Because when you have a small demand of an ingredient, it's going to cost more than if it is largely available. Like I said last time, you end up, paying a pretty penny for what's not in the product and just avoiding any responsibility for these a mild sugar surfactant you you're going to think that's perfectly safe well maybe it is but we don't really know it's not one of the mainstream ones not one of the main it's very unmainstream it's and that's what's so costly that a gallon of this dogliness shampoo can cost you $125. Not to mention you're paying a ton to ship it over here somewhere along the line. And it's probably not very dilutable because when you have um, laurel glucoside, cocoa glucoside, glycerin, cocomita betaine, Corporal methyl glucamide, 
you've got five cosurfactants, it's not going to be dilutable like sodium laureth sulfate, which is really dilutable. And furthermore, the safety of your products is not a matter of how many distant natural relatives each ingredient has. It's a matter of how well formulated is it. I do think that these dogliness products are well formulated. They've been thought through, but they've also been, cost is not the object. Let's find the most obscure, newest on the marketplace ingredients and then charge what we need to. And people will come running because it's no this, no that, no na 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 na, and many more. I will say at least they do list the ingredients. So they're one step above like Nature Specialty or uh, Yves Saint Laurent. Huge acknowledgement yep. for listing the ingredients and allow me to rip it apart. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Groom Pod, dogliness. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fun. I'm so glad you're looking better every time I see you and going to work and doing the normal stuff. That makes me happy. We're on the mend. We're still looking for a team of people to help Barbara down in Tucson, maybe clean out some of her house. So if you're down there, uh, yep, step forward and see if you can arrange. Like, There's no way I can haul an oxygen tank around my house. I can't use a walker because there's not enough I've got tiny little paths, some of which I have to sidestep in to go through my house. Tiny little paths of debris. Looks like I'm a hoarder, but I'm only half a hoarder. <laughs> You're only a can't clean upper, not a hoarder. <laughs> yeah, I'm just an up and coming hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be your next life. <laughs> but uh, if I could get my place just looking better. It would help my mental health. Definitely. Everybody, if you really love me, become a sponsor, become a Patreon. 10 bucks a month is, is not a lot, you know, and it could make a big difference to me in getting through the last lap. Let's just put it like that. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> I need support financially. Well, thank you for being here, everyone. And let's do it again next time on The Groom Pod. Happy grooming, everybody. See ya. Bye-bye. Take care of yourselves. Heed your watch. And I love you. <laughs>